Hey, this is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. Would really like to thank you for taking time to check out our podcast, our Sunday sermons, and our Wednesday night Bible studies. You can always share this, download it, or even find it on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, and pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. You can also find out about our church service times. We have our Sunday service at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. We're located in the Market Media Building. It's located at 203 East College Avenue, Sweet C in Divine, Texas. Plus, if you need to get any other information from the church, you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's today's teaching. Uh, And so uh, tonight we're going to be in chapter 5, Grace Upon Grace. Uh, Pastor Chuck, when we talk about this chapter, it's actually one of the things that Pastor Chuck was very adamant about was restoration, restoration of people. Um, And and he talks about uh, at times there would be people that would stumble or fall and that he wanted to be able to see them be restored uh, and restored back in their relationship with Christ. And so... Uh, Hebrews chapter 13 verse 9 as we talk about grace upon grace it says do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings for it is good uh, for the heart to be strengthened by grace not by foods which that uh, which have not benefited those devoted to them and so this chapter actually is going to deal with the battle of legalism first grace or the law versus life um and the two things that we're going to see is we're really going to see where Moses was presented with the law. And then in the New Testament where we see Jesus, we live in the age of grace. Uh, and, and with Moses in Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, uh, it was very clear that, that God's law was given, through, uh, given to Moses to give to the people of Israel uh, that they should follow. And in Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, it says, You shall have no other gods before me. Uh, and we learned uh, on that when this happened, uh, they had made a golden calf. And it says uh, further on, it says, but they learned early on that the law would kill. The law actually killed 3,000 worshipers of the golden calf because they were breaking the law uh, of God. And, and we see it in Exodus 32, verse 25 through 28. It says, and when Moses saw uh, the people had broken loose, for Aaron had let them break loose uh, to the derision of their enemy. Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered around him. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Put your sword on your side, each of you, and go to and fro the gate, uh, to the gate throughout the camp. And each of you kill his brother and his command, command, uh, companion. And his neighbor and the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses. And the day, uh, that day, about three thousand men of people fell. Now that's that's the law. Uh, you know, three thousand people fell because they worshipped. They broke the first commandment. They were worshiping false gods. They had had put, uh, you know, had put place to God before them, uh, before God. And so what we see in Pentecost is something completely different. We see grace and truth. When we see Pentecost, you have 3,000 people come to know faith because of grace. Right? 
They, they deserve punishment. But they repented. In, in Acts chapter 2, verses 38 through 41, and, and Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself, and with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort himself, saying, Save yourself from this crooked generation. Same message that needs to be preached today. Do we, do we have a very crooked generation? Yes. I mean, you don't need anybody to tell you that. You can just turn the news on and you see that. So those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So the enemies of Christ will constantly try putting, uh, put his teachings at odds with Moses, but the people in general recognize that Moses was an instrument who brought the law of God. And there was no question about Moses' authority. He spoke for God. If Jesus said something that was contrary to the law of Moses, then Jesus could claim, couldn't claim to be God. And they would try to trap the Pharisees and Sadducees would try to trap him all the time. And so they were trying to, to get him to question or to contradict the law, right? And, and so Jesus came to bring life. He brought grace, right? We're, we're guilty, and we're found innocent because we repent and we ask Christ and we believe in our heart. But we see this when the Pharisees try to trap Jesus in Matthew chapter 19, verses 3 through 9. A couple things that we need to talk about in this, these verses. We're going to knock out a couple of arguments, okay? And, and, and I know that we probably have people that we have in our family or friends that we may know. Uh, we're going to deal with a few things because this is Jesus talking. Okay, it's very important. It says in Matthew chapter 19, verses 3 through 9, it says, And Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? And this is Jesus answering. He answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? Now, People will say in the Bible, and I, I'm going to tell you grace upon grace, right? But I've got to give you the truth. We can't hide the truth. Jesus said it straight up. Male and female. There is no other gender. So they'll say, well, that was the Old Testament. This is new. No. Jesus said it. You know, and it goes on a little bit further because this is going to break a lot of other people's hearts here. And it says, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and, and the two shall become one flesh. Does it say that they shall be male and male and become one flesh? No. So gay marriage? No. Female and female? No. This is Jesus speaking. He's speaking about marriage. And see, part of grace, when we extend grace to people, you have to share truth with them. You have to. You can't just give them grace, give them grace, give them grace. Well, you're just supposed to love me. Yeah, I am. But if I don't tell you the truth, you're going to burn in hell. 
You have to repent. And it says that in verse 6, So there are no longer to be uh, two but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. They said to him, Why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? And he said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But, for the, uh, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual morality and marries another commits adultery. Okay, now that's Jesus speaking. Okay, that's, that's very important that we get that because one, he doesn't contradict the law. If anything, he expounds on the law. And, and makes it very clear. It's very clear for our, our time today. Because uh, people will say, well, you know, this was added in or this was... No, Jesus said it. Did you, and they'll say, well, Jesus didn't address homosexuality. Guess what he just did? Male and female. That's it. To be married. Anything outside of that is sexual morality. Um, and I know that's kind of off where we're going, but it's again to remind us that Jesus did answer the questions when the Pharisees and Sadducees asked those questions. He didn't contradict the law. We have to remember that. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 24, and this is very important, it says, So then the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith, just as if you did not sin when you repent. Your past, your present, your future sin. So we live in the age of grace because of what Jesus did on the cross. Okay? And, and John chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, it says, For the fullness, from, uh, for, uh, for from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace, for the law was given through Moses. And this is very important because people will say, I want grace. I'm allowed to be a homosexual. Jesus loves me, right? Well, Jesus does love you. But it says here in, in the scripture that, that for the law was, was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. People forget the truth part of that. It, it just is something I'm not sure why. I love what Warren Worsby says about this. It says, Jesus Christ has fullness of grace and truth. Grace is God's favor and kindness bestowed on those who do not deserve it and cannot earn it. If God dealt with us according to truth, none of us would survive. Okay? So nobody is you know, separating you because you're gay or because you know, or, or you're, you're looking at pornography or you're doing whatever sin that you're doing. We're all guilty. We're all guilty. And, and so we, we if based upon anything that we did, we would all be found guilty. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, we're innocent. If we repent and ask Christ into our heart. It says, if God dealt with us only according to the truth, none of us would survive. But he deals with us on the basis of grace and truth. Jesus Christ in his life, death, and resurrection met all the demands of the law. 
Now God is free to share fullness of grace with those who trust Christ. Grace without truth would be deceitful. And truth without grace would be condemning. You have to share the truth part of it. Yes, God loves you. You're created in his image. But you do have to share the truth part of it. And that, that's, that can be hard sometimes for people. They can get upset and they, they don't want to talk to you and that's okay. But we need to remember the, the portraits of grace. Man have sinned and yet God shows extends his grace. Pastor Chuck says this, We realize without the grace of God none of us would have a chance. We need the grace of God in our lives. We need it daily. We experience it. We're saved by it personally. But we also stand in grace. We believe in the love and grace that seeks to restore the fallen. That is the, the key for us as, as a Calvary Chapel is that we are a church of grace and truth. Okay? Grace and truth. And there are going to be people that, that come into the church and, and they're, they're going to need that extended grace. And just because they give their life to Christ doesn't mean that everything's perfect the next week. Okay? That's, that's part of growing. They're going to bump, you might bump heads with them at, at times, but you need to extend grace. Right? But we live and, and, and we want to see people restored. That's the whole purpose of grace. Um, one of the things I always think about is the prodigal. When you think about uh, the law and grace, you, you get a really good picture of when you read that story of the prodigal son. In Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32, we'll go through this real quick. And it says, And he said, There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to, to his father, Father, give me, to, uh, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he had squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, and severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields uh, to feed the pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. And no one could give, give him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against, against heaven, and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he, will, and he arose and came to his father, but while... He was still a long way off. His father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against uh, heaven and before you. I think that's very important. A lot of times when we sin, we forget who we sin against. Okay? I want to make sure we get this. Your forgiveness... Should be here first you need to repent and then you ask for forgiveness of who if you hurt somebody right because he says look right there father i have sinned against heaven heaven 
We need to get right with God first. I always tell people that. I don't, it's weird because I would counsel people and they would be like, well, I already apologized. And I was like, did you get right with God? It was, wasn't even on their to-do list. It's like, that's who you need to get right with first is with the Lord. Let's go on through the story there. And it says, uh, For Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his, his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put, the, put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And he bring the, the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son was dead and is alive. Again, he was lost and is found. And they begin to celebrate. So we see what happens when there is grace and there is repentance, and there is forgiveness, and then there is restoration. That's what the church should be about, is, is seeing people come to know Christ, but come to a place of repentance and restoration and forgiveness. And that's why it says in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 and 2, Judge not that you uh, be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measures you use, it will be measured to you. So what happens a lot of times is we can judge and create our own standard. Right? Because we're going to see that as we get to the second part of the story of the prodigal son. Because the first part of it is grace. The second part of it is the law. Right? And we can, we can be hypocritical and measure somebody by uh, what you think the measurement is and you know at, at the end of the day it's like you're you're creating what the standard of forgiveness is or what the standard of well you know you've sinned but th that's not the standard of, of, of where you need to be and it's like you need to understand that that's God who judges it's God who forgives you may look at that person and go, there's no way that person's a believer. No way. And I, I've had to deal with this over the last few weeks of, well, you know, we, 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 we have a problem with the things that come out of his mouth. We're not sure what he's going to say. And I'm like, he's young in the faith, man. He's learning. He's growing. None of us are perfect. None of us. But you, you don't set the standard. It's God that does. It's God that forgives. And we've had a, a pastor that fell this week. Now, I'm not going to do the names and all that stuff because I, I don't like doing all that. But, you know, sadly, sexual morality. And I, when I, as I was reading this, this chapter, all I could think about is what would Chuck do? Because Chuck would have... Chuck would have tried to bring restoration. That's what Chuck does. Now, if the person sins in this church, can restoration be had here? Maybe not. It may be had to another church, to another pastor. Um, and, and it just depends on what it is. You know, but it goes back to that grace and truth. You know, we do have to have that truth part of it. And, and, you know, uh, at the end of the day, we need to understand that, that the judge is God. It's God. You know, and, and so just remember that, you know, we're not the judge. 
But let's finish the prodigal because you're going to see the judge. The judge shows up in the other brother, right? That's what everybody loves the prodigal son, but they always forget about the other brother, right? The other brother. Now it says in verse 25 in in Luke chapter or in Matthew chapter seven, or excuse me, let me get back because I, I was in there. Luke chapter 15, right? It says. Uh, in verse 25, now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So there's a celebration going on. We should celebrate when people come to, come to faith. We should celebrate when people are restored. It should be a celebration. We shouldn't be focused so much on the numbers. If we did a night of worship and only one person was saved, it was worth it every bit of sweat that was put into it you want people to be saved you want to see them restored but he hears the music and dancing right in verse 26 and he and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant and he said to him your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he received him back safe and sound but he was angry and refused to go in his father came out and entreated him but he answered his father, Look, this many years I have served you and never disobeyed your command. He's living by the law. Right? Yet you never give me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when, uh, but when this son of yours came who devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate, to be glad. For this brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. So what happens is, is we, we, we struggle with the sin part of it. We want to play religion. And this is the religious part, the brother. He's, he's being the, the law. And he's like, you're not obeying the law. You, I, I served you and never disobeyed you. Right? That's the law. See, we stand in the grace of God. I've been saved by the grace of God. Not because of works, so that the glory uh, goes to God for what he has done. I can boast in what I've done. I've done nothing. It's by the works of righteousness, by his grace that we're saved we think about it think about where you were at when you got saved and how your life was think about it as we read Ephesians 2 I can man I, it, Ephesians 2 chapter uh, chapter 2 verse 1 says and you were dead in, in in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the, of the air the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus 
so that in the coming ages he might show his immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, that, so that no, uh, uh, no one may boast. And this goes back to Adam being the, we are all born with the Adam gene of sin, so to say. Every one of us. And, and if, you know, if, if you ever look at little kids, just watch them. Nobody teaches them how to lie. They do that on their own. You know, they hit their sister or they hit their brother like I didn't hit them. It's, well, who taught them how to lie? It's, that, that's that sin nature. But the second Adam didn't sin. Jesus didn't sin. And yet he came with grace. And, and I love the, the, the New Living Translation version of Romans chapter 5, verse 15 uh, through 17. It says, but there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness. So many through this man, Jesus Christ, and the results of God's graciousness is very different from the results of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation. But God's free gift leads to our being, our being made right with God. And even though we are guilty of many sins, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin. Death through this one man, Jesus Christ. And we see, you know, that we, we have Adam who, is, uh, who gave us death because of sin. You are to be judged. And, and your sin will be judged. But Jesus comes and he gives life. Adam's penalty of, uh, uh, was death and... and you know, we have a choice that we have to make to choose whether or not to receive the free gift that God is offering. And a lot of people will have, we'll learn this this, past, this weekend, that people's hearts are veiled. They're hardened. They have unbelief. Jesus is actually going to marvel at their unbelief this week. And that's, that's a sad thing. Let's continue in Romans chapter 5, verse 20 and 21, and this is again the New Living Translation. I think because Romans, it's really a cool chapter, but it's, when you read it, it, it it's, the New Living Translation kind of makes a little more sense to understand it a little bit better. And I think that's why sometimes translations are good to, to have. Uh, it says in verse 20, God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and became more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over people and brought them death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead giving us right standing with God and resulting in our internal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So you have the contrast of the law and grace. And grace was not an addition to God's plan, it was always God's plan. Okay, and you say, well, I thought New Testament was when grace was. Look at Adam and Eve. 
Yeah, well, they were kicked out of the garden. First thing God did was, was clothe them. Right? He, he, he gave the grace in that situation. He dealt with them with grace. What about the nation of Israel? They sinned over and over and over, and even the veil is on them today. There is a lot of people in Israel that don't believe in Jesus Christ. But that veil is going to be removed one day. And a lot of, a lot of uh, Israelis will come and Jews will come to know Jesus. And he gave the law through Moses not to replace his grace, but to reveal humanity's need. We need grace. The law was just temporary, but grace is eternal. So we live under grace. But we're not supposed to just do as we want to, right? That's why it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship. He is uh, we're going, as we give our life to Jesus Christ, we're going through sanctification. He's growing you. To prepare you for what? Heaven. He's growing you. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So when you give your life to Jesus Christ, you're supposed to actually practice grace and, and provide grace to other people. And that happens through us actually doing the works that God has called us to do and prepared for us. He's actually prepared these for us. In James chapter 2, verses 14 through 17, it says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one, one of you say to them, Go in peace, be warm, uh, warm and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So God has called us to extend His grace to others. He's given it to you. And, and I, I'm not sure, you know, one of the things that, that we have to understand is I, I know that I'm, I'm, the law points me to Jesus. In John 14, 15, it says, If you love me, this is Jesus speaking, you'll keep my commandments. So according to Jesus, obedience is a proof of your love and your relationship with Him. That should be the thing that drives your relationship is, is being obedient to the Lord. See, we're forgiven, we're restored, and, and, and you're going to continue to make mistakes and fall. But you need to, to extend that, that mercy and grace to others. As Christ was crucified, He forgave. Remember in Luke chapter 23, verse 34, and Jesus said... Forgive them for the uh, for forgive Father forgive them for they know not what they do and they cast lots to divide his garments. And the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter five verse seven it says, "Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy." In Matthew chapter six verses nine through fifteen it says, "Pray them like this: Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven." Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Right? You're to forgive others because you were forgiven. 
Look at Deacon Stephen. He's another example of mercy and grace. In Acts chapter 7, verses 58 through 60, they, uh, then they cast him out into the city and stoned him, and the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had, this, uh, when he had said this, he fell asleep. How many of you would have had a stone in your hand to uphold the law? Right? And, and so it, it goes back to that story and it, it covers in Matthew chapter 18 verses 21 through 35 when Jesus is explaining the story of the, the, the man who had asked for forgiveness and, and, and receives forgiveness but then he doesn't give the forgiveness to the person that owed him money um, and had him locked up and, and it's sad because he says in verse 28, but he said to the same servant, he went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii and seized him. He began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went out and put him in prison until he showed, uh, should pay the debt. And when the fellow servants saw what, he had, what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported uh, to their master all that had taken place. Then the master summoned him and he said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave all that debt because you pleaded with me. And, and should not you have mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? See, we're quick to want mercy, right? And grace. Or are we willing to give it to somebody else? It's it, you know it's one of those things that that I think if we're honest we all struggle with in some form. I think we've all been the person that's wanted to uphold the law, right? I know I have. When things are going crazy. And I'm like, well, we're supposed to protect the, the ministry or we're supposed to protect the church. It's not my job. It's the Lord's, you know. And it can be hard, you know. Um, and, and honestly, when we, when we fall or we do something incorrect and we sin, we want grace immediately. I'm not telling you that, that forgiveness is something that happens immediately. It doesn't. It takes time sometimes. But you cannot let that thing take root in your heart. You can't. you got to extend that grace. You need to ask God to help you with that. Let me tell you, I, I mean, I've, I'm a work in progress. I make mistakes. And, and, and what's bad is you know when you mess up. 
immediately. And, and I, man, let me repent and ask God for forgiveness. And then you have to go apologize to somebody. And guess what? Sometimes they don't want the apology right away. And you have to give them that. Because they're hurt. You want that mercy immediately, right? You want that grace immediately. You want that forgiveness immediately. And sometimes it's not there. You have to let them get to it. And, and so, you know, at the end of the day, one of the things we have to remember is that there's enough grace for the journey for the whole time you're here on earth until God calls you to home to be with Him or until the tribulation, which seems to be coming sooner. There's enough grace. And you need to extend it. Um, let me tell you, now I'm going to tell you, very important, because this is, you can extend it to the point where it just, the person just takes advantage of you, and you have to be careful with that. And God will give you discernment. Because I've had that happen before, where I've tried to, to minister to a brother, disciple him, and he hurt my wife, he hurt my daughter, he hurt my son. Multiple times he stepped on my toes. And I just finally, and, and I even brought another brother along with me to try to help. And, you know, it, it, it just wasn't working. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to have to let somebody else step in and try to disciple him. And I'm going to have to pray for him from afar. He's still my brother. I love him to death. He, he's as hard-headed as that wall sometimes. But he's learning. He's learning grace. He's growing about an inch a year. <laughs> Seems like at times. He'll, there'll be these massive movements where he does really well, then he goes backwards. And, and in the meantime, he, he, he does things that are very hurtful. And, and so you need to extend grace, but at the same time, remember the truth part of it. Okay? You need to remember the truth part of it. And so, you know, sometimes we do have to allow somebody else to come in and disciple or, or allow somebody else to come alongside you uh, to minister to somebody. And so that's, that's part of it. One of the things that Chuck talks about that's very important is he talks about the attitude of the policeman and the attitude of the, uh, the ambulance, the EMS people. Uh, the policeman will come in and tell you what laws were broken if there's an accident. They can tell you who was at fault, where the accident happened, what time it happened, whose cars hit what. What is the EMS going to do? They're going to just try to, 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 to help whoever's hurt, right? And so one of the things that we have to understand is which one are you, you know? Uh, because the, the one that, the, the policemen that are in the church, those are your legalists. And then the ones that are, are your EMS guys, those are your... Uh, the ones that are trying to show grace and extend grace. Um, at the end of the day, I think, it, and he gives the example of John chapter 8, verses 2 through 6. It says, Early in the morning he came again to the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now the law of Moses commands us to stone such woman. 
so that uh, so what do you say again they're testing him to see if he's going to contradict the law right but they're acting like policemen because they're like we have to stone her to death but where's the guy they caught the woman wasn't there a dude too somebody else is in trouble but they only brought the woman so one of the things that we have to do is to remember that as we look at the rest of that scripture is we want to be the paramedics the way that Jesus was in this situation we want to be the ones that are, are, are more caring more about stopping the bleeding or, or, or checking the heart or putting bandages on or trying to, to see broken bones be healed up. And it goes on in verse 6. It says, they, they, uh, This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. And Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground as they continued to ask him. He stood up and he said to them, Let him who is without sin among you uh, be the first to throw a stone at her. And once uh, once more he bent down and wrote on the ground, but when they heard it, they went away one by one and beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before her. And that's how we should be as paramedics, is how can we help? How can we minister? How can we see a broken life be brought back together, see the healing that needs to happen? Because see, all the law is going to do is say, you did this and this was wrong and that's against God's word. But he says in, verse, uh, in John chapter 8, verse 10, Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on sin no more. See, true repentance is necessary because that's what starts restoration. And I've shared this with y'all before in Matthew chapter 3, verse 8. If, if we bear fruit in keeping with repentance. So how do you know somebody's actually being restored? They should bear fruit. They should bear fruit. They should bear fruit. Uh, real quick, we can, we can look at the example of uh, Paul and Barnabas when they had their split. When John Mark, we're, we're reading the book of Mark, which John Mark wrote. Uh, through through uh, the testimony of Peter, but John Mark flaked out on a mission trip, and there was a, a very divisive argument that happened between Barnabas and Paul. Right? I'm not taking him. He's not coming with us. And then it caused an, a, a disagreement between the two, and and what ends up happening is Barnabas doesn't give up on John Mark. Right? Barnabas doesn't give up on John Mark, even though there was that sharp disagreement. Because we know that, that Paul ends up receiving help from who? Mark. That was the grace that was given from Barnabas. Barnabas didn't give up on him. And, and we see that in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. It says, Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for his ministry. So we, we get two examples from that, and then we'll close out here. One, Barnabas didn't give up on John Mark. He extended grace. Two, Paul and Mark's relationship was restored because of grace. 
So you have to ask yourself, am I being the cop or am I being the... And this is for our, our daily life, for our house, for... Because it's easy to be the cop in the house, you know. But are we extending grace? I remember we... And I'll close up here. Um, I remember our, one of our pastors, his son, uh, got in trouble. And so he decided to teach him a lesson on grace. So he took him for ice cream. And he sat down and he told him what he did wrong. Um, and and so and, and they, they had ice cream. And so the next time he messed up, he thought he was going for ice cream. He's like, no. He goes, I extended you grace. This time, <laughs> you're gonna, there, there's a, a consequence for your, for your actions. And, and so we extend grace, but you know, at the same time, they need to learn truth. You need to learn truth. Because what do we want all the time? Just like the kid, we want ice cream. I want that grace, man. Give me that grace. But sometimes there's, there's a consequence to our sin. And so application real quick. The first one. Is it hard for you to extend grace to people? Why? That's between you and God. Is it because the past hurts? Maybe you got a stone in your hand, you're ready to throw it at somebody. Remember what it says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 12. As we forgive our debts, we also forgive our debtors. And, and so, one of the things he's talking about is debtors, he's relating that to sin. God forgives, he no longer credits sin to your account. And as we have been forgiven by God, we're supposed to practice that same forgiveness to others. And extend that grace. Second application. What type of ministry do you practice in, in your life? Are you the police style ministry where it's all the law? Or are you the paramedic ministry where there's grace, truth, love, mercy, and restoration? Have you struggled practicing one over the other? Uh, I can tell you that at the end of the day, I have done both of these. And somewhere in between, there's a great balance. And so one of the things Chuck always talks about is striking a balance. And I think somewhere in between there, especially as being a parent, uh, you have to have that balance of, you gotta be the police sometimes, <laughs> it's, as hard as that is. But you also have to extend grace and mercy and love and, rest and see restoration happen. Because you don't want to just throw down the, the, the gauntlet and, 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 and uh, just bring that pain of, of you, what you did wrong. You also want them to, to be able to understand the restoration because they didn't sin against mom and dad. They sinned against God. Right? It's teaching them that part of it. Same thing with us. Is we need to get right with the Lord first. You know, and it's it's easy to be the cop, to throw the law at people, right? It is, but we need to extend that grace. I gave you all this verse this week, and I love it. Hebrews chapter four, verses four, uh, fourteen through sixteen. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us uh, let us hold fast our confessions. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but 
One in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Same grace that God is extending you, you need to extend to others. And, and you know, you never know what somebody's going through. You never know uh, what's happening in their life, but you want to definitely, uh, that's what we hear as a church, is to see restoration. Lord knows in Divine there's many in Lytle and Hondo and Natalia, people that need to know Jesus. So let's go ahead and close up and we'll pray. Uh, Father God, we thank you so much for tonight. We do pray and uh, just ask that you be with us on the way home. Allow us to, to really think over those questions, Lord, as we think about grace and mercy and love and restoration and just what you did in our lives, Lord. I pray that we would extend that to others. Uh, we do pray, Lord. We lift up this church to you. We lift up this building to you. Uh, we thank you so much for this wonderful day, and uh, we pray for Sunday service as well. We just ask, Lord, that you would be with us as we get ready for the night of worship. On September 12th, that you would just be uh, just be preparing everything and have us ready to serve uh, uh, that night. And so we thank you, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Thank you so much. That was Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Divine, Texas. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at calvarydivine.org. God bless. We would love to invite you to come out and join us for our free prayer and worship night on Sunday, September 12th at 6 p.m. at the VFW parking lot located at 211 West College Avenue in Divine, Texas. Performing that night will be Darren Miller, Jarrell, the Rise Worship Band, the Grace Worship Band, and a special message from Pastor Wade Collier all the way from Houston, Texas. In the book of Nehemiah, chapter 9, verse 5, it says, Stand up and bless the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessings and praise. Come join us as we stand up and worship the Lord and lift up the city of Divine, Medina County, in the state of Texas. We hope to see you there. To get more information on this event, you can go to calvarydivine.org. calvarydivine.org.